Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. What you're doing in this place, in this season, what a privilege it is to serve you, to know you, to listen to your voice, to follow, to be gathered with your people, Lord. I pray that your spirit would come upon each person here, Lord, every person that listens to this message, that they might receive your word and they might begin to pursue what is your heart, what is your purpose for their life, that we might understand these things. And as we grow in the knowledge and in the uh, understanding of the things of God, we might inherit all the things that pertain to God, all the things that are ours in Christ Jesus, that they might be revealed, that they might be known to us, that they not be so abstract, Lord, that they would be tangible, that they would be things we could bring into our lives, things that we would know, things that we would understand, things that we would live. Bless and prosper your word in the hearts of your people, Lord. And Father, I pray that we would never be the same as we pursue your understanding and your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's start in Romans chapter 2 and verse, we're going to begin... Um, in verse 17, my concern is that we, like the people of Israel, have left Egypt, we've left the world, we've left being enslaved to drugs and fear and disobedience and rebellion, and, and we're walking, but we really don't believe where God is leading us. Like the people of Israel were led by Moses to the promised land, and they began to doubt, they began to become over fear, uh, overcome by fear. They begin to tell Moses, you brought us out to the desert to kill us. This is not a life. I'd rather be dead than living what I'm living. And so in that unbelief, uh, a lot of them perished in the desert. A lot of them never even saw what God had called them out for. And how sad it would be that God would call you out of the world and you would die in the, in the journey to reaching God's purpose for your life. But this is what Paul writes to the Romans in verse 17. Behold, you are called the Jew. Now he's talking to God's people. So he says, you are called the Christian. You are called the person that's chosen by God. And because you're chosen by God, you rest on God's teaching. Your confidence is what God instructs you and you make your boast in God. You're proud to be a chosen member of God's people and you're saying that you have the instruction that you need to go where God is calling you and this instruction in verse 18 causes you to know the will of God there's nothing sadder in this world than people that don't know the will of God they don't know why they were created they don't know where they're going they don't know what God desires for their life and so they miss it and he says, not only do you know his will, having been chosen and having his instruction, but he says, you can tell which are the better things. You make decisions based, you approve the things that are excellent. How horrible those people that don't have an ability to choose what is better. Um, if you have two opportunities to choose a wife, you want a wise wife. You don't want to choose a fool because you're going to pay for it the rest of your life. If you have an opportunity to uh, study a career, if you have an opportunity to live in the neighborhood, if you have an opportunity to establish a family, you know the things that are more excellent. If you choose the wrong things, you're headed in the wrong direction. Oh, how horrible your life will be if you make the wrong decisions. 
How is it that we are choosing the right things? Because we're being instructed out of the Word of God. This is what he says here. This is all a huge portion of our, um, of our inheritance, is being able to know God, to know His will, to know His law, to approve the things. And, and here it is in verse 19, he says, you are so confident that you're doing the right thing, you're able to guide the blind. Isn't it better to be a leader than a follower? Because if you're following the wrong person, you go over a cliff. You, you're, I was talking to Pastor Jose Medieros. He says, Joaquin, here I was for 40 years running the corporate ladder, trying to climb it, trying to run it, and you, you touch me and you say, hey, it's the other way. You've gone the wrong way. He says, for 40 years I'm going the wrong way? That's, that's, that doesn't feel good. And he says, not only do you know God, do you know his laws, not only can you choose the things that are best, not only are you teaching those that are lost, those that are blind, he says you're, you're confident to guide the blind and light to them which are in darkness. You know, we go all over town, we go all over the world, just like, hello, is anybody home? And you turn on the light, and that little bloop, they get the, oh man, I was, I was ruining my marriage. I was disrespecting my husband. I, this week we were called into a family through the Save Your Marriage campaign and this woman called and she says, uh, I've lost my home, I've lost my house and can you do anything? We've already gone to the lawyers, can you do anything? And so I said, sure we could go and we'll go in there and, and they invited us into their house and I was able to speak to her husband and I said, begin to uh, ask your husband forgiveness for not respecting him. And she goes, oh, this is hard. This, this is difficult. Uh, I'm going to trust you. And so she went and she asked her husband for forgiveness. The light is on. And her husband was like, wow, there's somebody there. That, that, and, then, and then I said, you know, serve your husband and love him and take care of him. And, and she says, I don't know. This is, I've never done this. They've been married for 10 years. And you know what? The light is being turned on in the midst of darkness. I told her, you're building, say with me, dynasty. You're building your dynasty. This is not to be over in three years or in 10 years. You're building a family name that's to run for 500 years. You're not serving your husband. You're serving your children. You're building something that is for God. And so when we have a, a dark mindset, we don't know these things. And we think we're serving a selfish pig. We're not. We're building dynasties. And it goes on to say, you are those who turn the light on those that are in darkness. Verse 20, you instruct the fool. How many have had an opportunity this week to, to grab a fool and say, hey, bozo, you are dead wrong. This is our, this is our inheritance. And, and it's awesome to not run with the fool because a fool is headed for destruction. But the wise will become wiser. So this is our inheritance. It says you're a, a teacher of those that don't know better. You're a teacher of babes. You know, there, there are people that just don't know better. Having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You have all these things. And so these are, this is the type of inheritance we're talking about um, that is huge. Um, uh, approving the better things, having the law of God, knowing the wisdom of God. And so uh, how sad when we started this series called The World-Changing Inheritance. 
we talked about last week of all these people who have inherited millions and billions of euros and fortunes and they didn't know they were entitled to them and they, they were in darkness until they received a phone call and I want to tell you that your inheritance is huge it's large it's rich if you would pertain to these things if you would draw near to your inheritance um, in 2nd Corinthians Paul is trying to explain to the Corinthians chapter 3 verse 13 there are some of us that, whose face are shining I just had somebody this week say Joaquin you know something when I see you you just radiating there's some there's life in you there's there's exuberance coming out of your life and and this is what was happening when Moses was connected with God he says that uh, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away as as Moses went up to the mountain his face radiated his countenance shone the glory of God and he had to put a veil in front of his face because people were going to think that he's nuts people are going to think where was this guy what was he up to and so we're not like that we're not covering our radiance our radiance is uncovered so the world could see our joy and that's the expression of the glory of God if you have peace if you have the joy of God if you're walking in his righteousness your countenance is brilliant they're gonna think what are you on what type of drugs are you on where where can I get some and he says his face was clothed veiled so the children could not see the children of Israel and and this thing was passing verse 14 but their minds were blinded these people could not see what Moses was seeing they could not hear what Moses was hearing uh, in the amplified version verse 14 says their minds were grown hard and their hearts calloused they had become dual and lost the power to understand for even to this day even now the Jewish people have not understood what God wanted to give them and the veil remains unlifted even as they read the Old Testament because as Jesus Christ comes in and he begins to reveal the inheritance of God the veil is taken away people of God who can't see God who can't see his promises who don't understand um, I'll, I'll tell you I'm gonna tell you a secret my, my kids I have four kids they're all young not one of them have asked me why do we go to church if your kids are saying why do we have to go to church you 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 have lost it they have not seen the inheritance the wealth of the riches of those who come to church and receive what God has and my kids not only do they not ask why do we have to go to church and that's very customary for children who don't see the inheritance my children are getting involved in church they're getting plugged in my little 10 year old daughter is preparing the permission slip to go on some youth activity I'm like wow I didn't do that till I was 25 25 before I got involved in the things of God and here my 10 year old daughter is being useful and productive in her youth group and she's 10 um, if you want to see something spectacular tonight my son Brandon who's 14 will be preaching the Word of God he will be throwing it down he will be preaching with the passion of the glory of God in his heart they don't ask why do we go to church you know why because they see the wealth of the riches of his grace 
They understand the inheritance. They see our faces shine with the glory of God. Some people have not seen this in their own families. They've come to God and they're just as dead as when they were in the world. They're just as indifferent. But in Christ, the veil is lifted up. In verse 15, it says, yes, into this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil is still upon their hearts and their minds. They can't see it. But you know when the veil is lifted up? The day that we decide to turn the other way. In verse 16, he says, but when we repent, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. See, we're walking against the world and we're seeing the glory of God. We're walking towards it. Some people that are walking towards the world says, I don't get it. What are you guys looking at? And the guy's sitting there saying, man, you don't see what I'm seeing? And the guy says, no, I don't see what I'm seeing. I see darkness. I see no hope. I see no... And so you turn and you see the glory of God and you begin to walk and you begin to understand what is really worth living, what is really worth aspiring to, putting as the pursuits of, of, of priorities. Seeking these things. The Bible says, if you seek me with all of your heart, then I'll let you find me. If you seek me more than anything upon the earth, then I will reveal myself to you. He who asks receives. He who knocks, it is open to him. But if you're not seeking, if you're not knocking, if you're not, you're not going pursuing, what is going to be revealed to you? Nothing. You must love God with all your heart. In Ephesians 1, we were reading last week, and just to remind you, in verse 18... We're going to read, start reading in verse 17, Ephesians 1, 17. Paul kept praying. He says, I keep on asking the God of our Father, the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he might give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that he opens the eyes of your understanding, that they would be enlightened so that you might know the hope of his calling. What is the riches of his glory in of the inheritance in the saints. What is it that God has laid up for us? What is it that God has laid up for us who believe? What is the wealth of these riches? How horrible that the only future you can expect is the future you've made out for yourself when you are shunning the purpose of God in your life. And, and I want to tell you that the purposes of God far surpass your puny ideas. I had a 17-year-old little girl say, Pastor, I know more than you. I don't need your advice. I don't need the youth pastor's advice. 17 years old. I looked at her and I said, listen, I'm, I'm a counselor of men that are 70 years of age. I'm a wise counselor. And you're saying that you don't want the wisdom of godly counsel, that you know it all. That you're not going to sit there and cater to the plans that God has for you. That they might be revealed. Remember what we said last year about receiving the inheritance? What is the quality attribute we need? Meekness. That God will not give you what he has for you unless you humble yourself enough first to ask. That what you, God has for you is not yours until you walk in humility and meekness. And that's why a lot of people do not receive what is theirs. I want to pray with Paul that the eyes of your understanding would be opened. That you might know what is the glorious inheritance you have as God's people. It's not until we give ourselves entirely over to these matters that you begin to see 
the great wealth that God has. I can't explain it thoroughly, but I, I know that as you take each step into his purpose, it is revealed. As the high priests were crossing the Jordan to go into the promised land, the waters did not recede like in the, in the Red Sea. It says at the beginning when they crossed the Red Sea, Moses touched the waters and they opened up and they all crossed. And that was in the journey to the Red Sea. But there came a time where there was one more standing between them and the promises of God. And they needed to put their foot in the water and every step they took, the waters would recede back. And they would come back upon each step that they were taking. That's how it's been in my life in the things of God. Each step of faith, each step in the direction of God reveals His purposes greater and greater. So Romans 12 says like this, Since this is the way God does things, I urge you, dear brethren, that you would present your whole life and say, God, what is what you have planned for me? What is it you have planned for my children? What is it that you have planned for my family that we might inherit these things? She says, he says like this in Romans 12, Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brethren, and sisters, in the view of the mercy God has for us, let us offer our lives as living sacrifices, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not follow the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Then you will be able to see and test and approve the will of God, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. As we offer ourselves over to this inheritance, it starts coming in our lives. Um, this is no different than what Joshua told the people of Israel as they were entering in the promised land. In Numbers 14.8, he says, If the Lord is pleased with us, if the Lord sees a meek spirit, a humble spirit, if he sees someone that hungers and thirsts for him, he says, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land. And give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Uh, we're living in the age of entitlement. We don't have to do anything to receive it all. Why, do, why don't I, why can't I get what I'm entitled to? You're not entitled to anything. You're not entitled to anything. Pray that the mercies of God would not leave your life. Beg the Lord to have mercy upon you. Begin to walk in a manner that pleases the Lord. It's the meek that it shall inherit the earth. It's those with the proper attitudes. When I was preparing for this last week, the Lord told us three things. It's being at the right place, at the right time, with the right attitude. Those will qualify you to receive what God has for you. Being where God wants you to be, when He wants you to be there, and having the right attitude. Well, what if I'm on the wrong place and I decided where I'm going to be, and I decide at the time I'm going to get there, and he better hurry up or else I'm going to go do something else. He'll give you up over to your wickedness. He told Judas, what's in your heart, go and do it. He's not, he's not going to deprive you from, from doing your own foolish acts. He asked you to walk in his ways that you might acquire wisdom and a great inheritance. Well, what if I don't? There's no inheritance. There is no wisdom. Because you don't perceive it, you don't pursue it, you don't love it. And so having these things as, as serious, and, and we're inheriting these things. Uh, Peter was a, a little bit um, difficult in his ability to pursue these things. But he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, 4, he says, uh, We have been given in Christ 
an inheritance that doesn't fade away. He was talking about this same thing, these things that are reserved from the heavens for you, that they cannot be corrupted, they don't fade away, they're waiting for you in heaven. And so 2 Peter 1.4, he says like this, these things are accompanied by great and precious promises. 2 Peter 1.4. I don't, I don't know that you understand that he has given to us, the past tense given, because they're already ours, Christ died. He's given to us great, exceedingly great, and precious promises, and we could be partakers of something supernatural and having escaped this world and all that it brings. In this world, you won't find many meek people, so therefore you won't find many people that are inheriting the promises of God. One of the biggest signs of meekness, ready for this, is the word waiting. How many people do you know that wait? I don't know very many. But it's those who wait upon the Lord who shall be renewed in their strength and take flight upon the wings of an eagle. They'll begin to soar the heights of God's purposes. Uh, the other people will just be chickens and turkeys. You'll notice that when you came in the door this morning, I just put a sign up there at the beginning. It says Eagle Country. Why? The people in here are soaring the heights of God's provision and resources. And I was, I was so tempted to put on the bottom, in fact, I did put it, I put chickens prohibited. And they said, you should have put turkeys too. Yeah, turkeys not allowed. Chickens prohibited. Those that mount up on the wings of an eagle are those that wait on God. Those that know their God and trust their God and soar to the heights and are renewed like an eagle renews himself. But these great and precious promises are for those that are sharing in this inheritance. And, and we saw Esau last week, he, he missed out on his inheritance because he didn't value it. It says he despised what was his. He says, why do I need what God has for me? I'm not going to wait on what God has for me. Give me that stew. You can have what God has for me. And he traded his inheritance. It says later on, with tears, he was desiring what God had planned for him and couldn't receive the inheritance. So there's advice in the Bible for us, like in Hebrews 6.12. Do not be lazy. Do not be lazy, sluggish. But look at those people that are inheriting through faith and patient the promises of God. The meek will be uh, patient. They will be, um, they will be diligent. They're not going to be lazy. They're going to be on their toes with the things of God. Do not be lazy. Do not be lazy with pursuing the inheritance God has for you. Get prepared. In Hebrews 10.36, it says you need to persevere. Not only not being lazy, not only waiting, but you have to suffer. That word persevere means uh, through suffering. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. And I, I, I don't know that you would be excited of receiving the promises of God because many of you think that God has fallen asleep and he's no longer attentive to your life. And I can revive your feelings if you read with me Isaiah 45.3 when he says, I'll give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden reaches, riches of my secret places that you might know that I 
that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant in Israel, verse 4. We're reading Isaiah 45, 3 and 4. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, and Israel, my chosen, I have called you by your name. I have surnamed you, though you have not known me. I have a concern because these entitlement feelings that some people have, they don't understand that only legitimate sons inherit. Did you know that? That everybody shows up at the courtroom and they say, hey, I'm a son, I'm an heir to the fortune. And they say, let's take a DNA test. Do you obey God? Do you follow his instructions? Have you been waiting on God? Oh no, my life is a mess. But I want all the promises. And he says, you're not an heir if you're an illegitimate son. And who's an illegitimate son but he who does not allow himself to be prepared for the inheritance? In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, never despise the words that speak to you as a son because it's those sons that hear these words that will receive the inheritance. A lot of people do not, they want the, the blessings of God, but they don't want the preparation. It says in Hebrews 12, and we'll start verse 7. If you endure the preparations of God and His dealings with you as a son, for what son is there a father who does not discipline him? But if you're without discipline, of which all of us are partakers, then you are an illegitimate Son, and you are illegitimate and therefore not a son. Is there no inheritance for those that despise God, for those that do not desire an inheritance? Something happens in the Old Testament with respect to prodigal sons who leave their homes and they don't walk and they don't learn the ways of their fathers. They don't speak like their dad, they don't act like their dad. So they show up on inheritance day and they're, they're sitting there with their hands open. They say, Father, give me my inheritance. He says, depart from me. I do not know you. You, you, don't, you don't sound like a Molina. You don't, you know, Molinas speak a certain way. They walk a certain way. The son's brought up in my home. One, one young girl was dancing out there. She was like, dancing mommy and natal and she was out there uh, every saturday morning she was in her bikini she was part of our youth group and i said that's not my daughter that's not my spiritual daughter my my spiritual daughters don't walk like that they don't they, they don't re they're not representing the world they represent the kingdom she goes you're my father i said then start acting like my daughter start walking in the manner which is according to the life i've given you with respect to honor and with respect to a huge inheritance in Christ. And, and so these are, these are just earthly things. It would be devastating for you to stand up before your eternal father and look and say, you're my dad. Oh, no. You didn't walk like my daughter. You, you didn't represent my kingdom. And, and these people in John chapter 8, the leaders of Israel said to Jesus, we are the descendants of Abraham. He says, no, you're not. You're sons of the devil because you do what he does. The, the word son means looks like the father, has the character of the father, has the name. And so in this scenario, I want to encourage you. Are you a son of God? You can't be a son of both. Do you walk in the character and in the name of Christ? That's what a Christian means, to walk in, in the character of Christ, to walk in the name of the Lord. 
uh, to not do so is taking his name in vain. It's a matter of convenience. But he says if you do not walk like God wants you to walk, you're an illegitimate son. You're not a legitimate son. You're not entitled to the inheritance. It's not going to be handed to you. And so we get to this place in our time together where we have to start understanding that the inheritance is about carrying on a name. And we're living in a time and in a place where we don't understand the significance of a name. In Proverbs 22 verse 1 it says, Rather choose a good name than the greatest riches upon the earth. Rather choose a character than gold and silver. Your name will bring to you much more than your treasures ever will. Your character will establish your fortune. And so, what good is it to be Mr. Melendez out in California with a huge fortune and have your two twin sons blow your brains out to take your inheritance? What were you doing? What were you thinking? Character was more important than this man's gold and silver, but he could pass no character to his children. There was no inheritance to his family. So they were killed. Both mom and dad were shot by a shotgun. And so there was no good name in the Melinda's family. I want to challenge you to, to figure out what is the name you're leaving to your sons. The, the name of Christ has been left to us. And I, 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 we are to be like Christ. We are to make sure that our name has significance tied to it. A good name is rather to be chosen than gold and silver. Inside of a name, there is authority. Inside of a name, there's character, there's rank, there's power, there's excellence. I don't know if you are reminded with me in Acts chapter 19, when some men try to use the name of Paul because it had power. Some men tried to use the name of Jesus because it had power. But the demon says, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but who the hell are you? What, what are you trying to do? Your name is worthless. Your name carries no weight. You don't walk like a son of God. In Acts chapter 19, verse 13, it's an incredible sight. Some of the itinerant G Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call upon the name of the Lord over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you in the name of Jesus, powerful name, who Paul, powerful name, preaches. And verse 14 these were the sons of the Siva, a Jewish high, a chief priest who did these things. Verse 15. And the evil spirit answered and says, Hey, buddy, I know Jesus. And Paul I know. But who are you? How is it that you're taking upon yourself to walk in the inheritance of the authority of the kingdom when you listen to nobody? When you obey nobody? Where you walk totally contrary to the counsel of God. It's in the light of being faithful and submitting. And this is true in the army. And those of you that are military background know you need to be faithful as a private. You move on to a first degree private. And then you move on to be an assistant to the sergeant. And then sergeant. And the more people you're able to serve and listen to, the more you are given higher rank. You become a sergeant, you become a captain, you become a lieutenant, you become a colonel, you become a general. 
And it all starts with your capacity to pursue. And, and you're given the name according to the faithfulness of the previous name. And you have no right to, to inquire of your children having left their family name. Uh, th this past week, I, I got very upset. It was, it was a, a colleague in the ministry, uh, Dr. James D. Kennedy, serving the body of Christ for 50 years. How many know that that's, that's awesome? 50 years being faithful as a man of God. And so he has Coral Ridge Ministries. He lifted up the character and the attributes of a uh, ministry with integrity, with honor. When, when anything was written out of Coral Ridge, everybody's like, this man is, he holds up a standard in our day. He's holding up the standard and the banner of the Christian cause. Well, um, he passes away about five years ago, and his children don't carry on the name because they don't walk in his character. And so they give it over to a group of people, and the first decision they make, what do you think they do? They change the name. Now they call it ministry in action. It just was birthed. It has no 50 years of strength. It has no voice of integrity, no voice of honor. How horrible. They weren't able to carry on the name, the character, the legacy. There's no inheritance now. They, they squandered the inheritance like the prodigal son who's not able to carry from one generation to another the name of honor, the name of character, the power, the rank, the position. When you name something, you become a son. And this is Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 28. That's why he, he has the name above all names because he was able to honor the name of God he was able to carry, and he says, Father, glorify your name. Take, take the banner of your name. Then a voice came from heaven and says, I will both glorify it. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. I'm going to cause the name to be powerful, the, the, the name to be great. In John 17, as he prays in verse 6, he says, Lord, I've revealed your name. I've passed it down to the people whom you've given to me out of this world. I have manifested your name. I have manifested your character. I've passed on the inheritance. I've been faithful that which was entrusted. I've given that down to the next generation. And what do we do when we're receiving something as an inheritance? God's not going to put it into the hands of people that cannot pass it down to the next generation. These are unfaithful people. They don't know how to manifest the name of Christ. They don't know how to carry it. In verse 26, John 17, 26, he says, I've made your name known to them. I've revealed your character. They know you. The words you spoke, those are the words I spoke. The places you went, those are the things I did. And because Jesus Christ did this, guess what? He's been given a name above all names. Philippians 2.9. Philippians 2.9 says, We have been given a name above every name. Therefore God has exalted him highly and given him a name which is above every name. He was faithful with the name entrusted to him. He was given a great name. What are you doing with the things of God? I make sure I trash them. I make sure I destroy them. I make sure they have no residence. They don't resonate in the hearts of my family. God doesn't mean nothing. I don't listen to God. They don't listen to me. I wonder why. I wonder why the name of Jesus is so powerful. 
I wonder why we have such a great inheritance, but we're not able to be able to establish a name. We have a fortune, but our name means nothing. Your name is a bank account somewhere in some bank, and you're living for that glory. And you are nobody, and your children's receive nobody. And even if you were to receive somebody like James D. Kennedy, you make him a nobody in your life. So you're starting from zero. You're starting from zero instead of walking in a large inheritance. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1 says like this, A good name is a better fragrance. It's better than a, than a precious ointment. A good name is better than a precious fragrance. The day of death is better than the day of one's birth. What does that mean? What is a, that's a, a proverb. Imagine your dad would have lived a hundred years in a certain direction and instead of you taking a good name from your dad, you have to start from zero because your dad has no good name. He didn't live for the glory of God. He has no eternal inheritance. He lived for a lifetime. He didn't pass anything that would enrich the next family in the next family and the next family. Your grandchildren are poverty stricken. Not with regards to a fortune or a wealth, but with regards to the moral character of a son. He's not able to handle the inheritance you've laid up for him. How sad it is that some of us are raising up an inheritance to give to ungodly children that will destroy it within a matter of years by the time they get it. Acts 4.12, the name of Jesus is so great because he was able to carry on an inheritance. It says, there is no salvation in any other name under heaven that has been given to man where we might be saved. We don't think along these terms. God created man so they, they would have, ready for this, a dynasty of 500 years. A dynasty of 500 years. You know what a dynasty is? It's a family that is able to, to run its course for 500 years in the authority of what has been passed down. How long is our family going to last? Some of us come from zero dynasty. I come from that. I don't know who my great-grandfather was. I don't know what he did. They tell me that, that he might have, you know, died. God knows doing what. And, and, and just a lost inheritance. All my uncles, they didn't leave me anything. Shameful were the ways of my forefathers who weren't able to receive a godly inheritance. And so I, I wonder, am I serving? And I know I am. And this is one of the things I live for is to serve the coming generations. I'm doing things now that I know will bless them a hundred years from now. I know my grandchildren are super blessed because of the sons that will father them, because of my daughter who will father them, that will have excellent parents. And so the vitality of the words of our inheritance is based on the name that we live leave in the life we live I would like for you to understand that in the beginning God called the first man to name all of creation we see this in Genesis chapter 1 verse 19 no Genesis chapter 2 verse 19 it says that Adam was given the opportunity out of the ground of the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. He brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called these living creatures, that was their name. 
Have you seen what parents do to children nowadays? Oh, what's going to be the name? What's it mean? Nothing but it's Toronto. We don't have a legacy. We don't have a legacy. I remember when our firstborn was, thank God, our firstborn was born and, and we said, what will be his name? Nicholas means victory. Joaquin means established by God. Victory of the people established by God. They, they, names with significance, ma- names with meaning, names with an inheritance. Not Bubba. How horrible. How horrible we don't even have the creative ability to, to bestow upon our children the inheritance of blessing by the names we call them. Joshua's servant. Salvation, warrior of the people. Joshua David. Brandon, fiery sword. Names with significance. And, and, and we are so lost. We are so, you know, we, we would say not even one, one generation of an inheritance. We can't serve other, we can't even serve our own generation. When he was brought the woman, Adam was also the one that named the woman in, in verse 23. Out of his side, the woman was brought to him. And Adam said, this, cre- this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of me. Do you know that you are able to bestow upon your wife by the words you speak, the inheritance of blessing upon her life? You're a Proverbs 31. You're a faithful woman. You're, you're, my, you're my best friend. You're my confidant. You're my helper. We, you're my co-heir. The Bible calls her a co-heir to the inheritance of God. We can't. You're a bag. You're an idiot. You're, you bother me. Get out of my life. You're a hindrance. No. Our names, the names that we bestow, bestow the inheritance of blessing. They bestow the inheritance of authority, of rank. You pass these things down by the words you speak. And guess what? In Numbers chapter 26, it says, as they were passing out the inheritance of the new land. As I was reading this last night, I said, wait a second. God only passes down an inheritance to sons, to daughters. It says in in Numbers chapter 26, as they were passing out the promised land, it was only to sons. The blessings were to those that had a name. If we read verse 53 of Numbers 26, unto these the land shall be divided for an inheritance according to the number of names. If you don't have a name, if you don't stand up for anything, you don't have an inheritance. You only have an inheritance under which the name that you take. You stand up there and you say, I am a Christian, give me my inheritance. No, you're not. You don't walk in that, in that name. You don't honor that name. There's no inheritance for you. The lands were divided according to the number of names. Verse 55 says like this. read verse 55 real quick but the land will be divided by lot and they shall inherit according to the names of the tribe of their fathers could I challenge you this morning and ask you where's your father if you don't have a name it's because you don't have a father I don't know if you guys heard the story of Charles Manson who was the greatest serial killer in the United States a crazy man when he was born his mom gave birth to him in a brothel, in a prostitution scenario. She was mixing with a, a non-name. And so for the first 10 years of his life, he was called 
Charles No Name Maddox. No name. He wasn't modeling after anybody. He wasn't following anybody's pattern. That's what father means. If you have no name, it's because you have no father. And if you have no father, it's because you don't have an inheritance. Your name will mark you. Your name will pattern you. You will form to the model of the name given. The word name in Hebrew is pronounced Shem. And this was the, the son of Noah that received the blessing. It means to be marked. It means to receive a mark that sets you apart from any other person. I remember growing up, my dad says, no motorcycles. I said, okay, no motorcycles. When I became a Christian, I began to listen to my dad. And so I'm marked by a person who was fathered by a man who doesn't want us to ride motorcycles. And people say, why are you so stupid? You're already 43, you could ride motorcycles. I said, no, I'm not, I'm marked. I'm a son of a man named Raul Molina, who's a brain surgeon who asked me not to re ride motorcycles. That's a true son. My dad says we're not to play football. I'm a son of a father who says don't play football. I'm marked by a man in obedience. I don't go around being obedient to people that are not my fathers. But to my fathers, whatever they say marks my life and it defines who I am. I don't ride motorcycles and I don't play football. And my children are my sons and they don't ride motorcycles and they don't play football. Because we want the blessing. We want the inheritance of no broken necks and no disabilities. That's who we are. That defines who we are. And if you're a father, if you're a son to your father, you'll want to receive his marks. And they'll set you aside and make you different from everybody else. And we will be bringing glory to the name of our fathers and we will be blessed in that reality. I want to encourage you as we continue to meditate on this course that we allow God to mark us. He was able to mark Abraham. Abraham used to be called Abram. In Genesis 17, 5, he says, Neither shall your name be Abram no more. I'm going to mark you. From now on, you'll be not Abram, but Abraham. And this mark will cause you to be the father of many nations. That's your inheritance. In verse 15, he says, God told Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, she shall not be called Sarai no more. She shall be marked. Her name shall be Sarah. Jacob was also marked. His name meaning deceitful, deceiver. He says, your name is not going to be deceiver no more. In Genesis 27, 36, Esau was upset because his brother had tricked him. And he says, isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me. He has stolen from me. Your name defines your character. That was Genesis 27, 36. Your name defines your character. God wants to give you a new name. That new name will give you authority. In Luke 10, 17, the disciples went out and they began to tell demons, get out of here. And they returned. And they said the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. Because of your name, it has power. Because of your name, it has significance. Because of your name, we have an inheritance. In your name, they'll lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. In his name, they shall cast out demons. In his name, they shall turn nations upside down. And so we have a great inheritance in the things of God. But I want to ask you, as we learned last week, you need to be meek. This week, I ask you, are you a son? Are you a daughter? Are you walking in obedience? Are you following after, perfecting 
that calling in your life. In Revelations 3.1, Jesus comes up to a church in Sardis. And he says, these are the things that says that the one who has seven spirits of God, the seven stars, I know your character, I know your works, but you have a name that says that you live, but you're dead. You could go around calling yourself a Christian, you could go around calling yourself a son, but you're living, leaving no inheritance, you're leaving no, no fruitfulness in your legacy. Can we reconsider this morning and say, Lord, give us our inheritance? Make us meek, make us children, make us sons, make us heirs to these things. Let's stand this morning and say, Lord, the only thing that, that I can see is, is the more I walk as a prodigal son, I'm far from your inheritance in my life. The more disobedience, the more rebellion, the more pride, the farther I am from seeing your glory. The farther my children are from seeing why we go to church. It doesn't make sense. Tonight, if you're able to come to the Sunday school graduation, I am so excited about what we're going to see. Yesterday they were rehearsing. I'm saying, Lord, these children know where they're going. And they know they have a great inheritance in Christ. They're not beggars. They're not out in the world following the world. They want an opportunity to lead the nations. They want an opportunity to be raised to receive their inheritance. We were reading last week Galatians 4.1. It says in a time period, while a son is being prepared to receive his inheritance, it feels like a slave. I say, Paul says, he says, now I say that an heir, as long as he's immature and a child and cannot do things right, does not differ from a slave. Why, why all the preparation? Why all the hassle? Because God is raising you up to be a faithful heir to the family fortune, to the family name. That's why the discipline comes. That's why the hardship. You're master of everything God wants to give you. Let's get prepared for it. What we see in this place at Spring of Life Fellowship is the inheritance of God. It's the goodness of God. It's an inheritance left to us to be able to serve Him, to know His will, to lead the blind, to turn on the light, those walking in darkness. And as you pursue these things, they shall be revealed to you. Father, I give you thanks for this word. Open the eyes of our understanding, Lord enlightened that area of our life that discerns the things of God. Pour oil in our lamps that we might see in darkness, Lord. Change our thoughts that they would be transformed and not conformed to this world. This world is in wicked and desperate need of significance and identity and they don't know that identity and legacy comes from a relationship with a father. Instead of letting a father guide and direct us and that we might keep the promises of God that those who honor their father and mother, everything will go well with them and they'll live a long life upon the earth. Many of us have walked away from our identity. Many of us have forsaken. We walk like orphans. 
We walk outside of the family. We walk far from the inheritance and legacy of children of God. Can you turn our hearts back towards home? Can you gather our thoughts that we continue to want to learn in obedience, even though it's a, a call to suffering? But suffering will have its good work as a fire that purifies the gold and removes those things that you do not want for our lives. As we perfect obedience, your word says we punish disobedience. The more and more we obey, the less and less the devil has an area in our life to steal, to kill, and to destroy what has been laid up for many years of blessing over our children and our children's children. If repentance removes the veil so that we can see the things of God, Lord, today we ask and we repent before your presence, Lord. Turn our hearts towards you. And we will see the vast fortunes of your glory and inheritance in Christ Jesus. The peace and joy that pass down to a special people that are your treasure. Make us a dynasty, Lord, for a thousand generations of blessings of those who obey, who pass down and glorify the name they are handed, Lord. Not destroying, Father God, and bringing to ruins those precious things that you have given us. Teach us how to be generous. Teach us how to be meek. Teach us the ways of nobility and of your kingdom, royalty, a kingdom of priests and kings, Lord, that we might glorify you, Lord, all the days of our life, and that our countenance might be bright, Lord, that our lives will be full of your spirit, knowing the ways of God, having fellowship and inheriting the things that are reserved for us. Let your peace be upon your people, Lord. Let your prosperity be upon them, Lord, on their houses. Their businesses reflect your glory, Lord. You say in Malachi 3.10 that we will be called the delight of all the nations. We will be called the delightful people. We give you thanks, Lord, for this word. Bless it and prosper it in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.